Welcome to Back on the Broomstick, a modern witch's spoken word grimoire, where two witchy friends from way back are reconnecting to their pagan roots after a long period of mundanity. We're rewalking the path of the wise and trying out all the latest spells, rituals, and magical theory in today's witchcraft and pagan practices. So grab your wand and your incense, your cauldron and your crystals, and join us as we get Back back on on the Broomstick. Welcome to Back on the Broomstick. I'm Layla. And I'm Shell. And today we'll be talking about all things runes. And we are lucky enough to have a guest with us today, Wayne Breck, who is a practicing rune weeder. Rune reader. (laughs) (laughs) And Weaver. It is a practicing rune reader, author, and clinician living in Omaha, Nebraska currently. He is the host of the Runeways podcast and YouTube channel. And as an experienced rune weaver, Wayne seeks to help others through rune readings and spiritual consultation. And he's here today to talk with us about runes and his current book, The Complete Guide to Runes, an Essential Reference for Rune Lore, Meanings, Divination, and Magic. So welcome, Wayne, and thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Wayne, and how you got into runes. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, again, Wayne Brecky is the name, and uh, I started. Uh, yeah, nobody can. It's hard, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because the last name kind of came into play when I started, like late after I started runes in a weird way. But um, yeah, I started reading runes about six years ago, maybe maybe more. I've been into runes and Norse mythology and everything since high school. So since like 83, 82, 83, taking classes in my high school about Norse mythology, which I thought was very strange. They had medieval history, they had Greek history, and they had Norse mythology. And it took them That's all. That's cool, though. Those sound like it was great inspiring. Classes. Yeah. It was very inspiring, and I really enjoyed it. And so I kept that throughout my life. Uh, of course, I got into Dungeons & Dragons in high school back then, and uh, really took to, like, I, I was an artist, so I liked to draw. So I really took to things like the door, the Tolkien runes, and I was fascinated with the elven language, and I really liked all that. So through high school, doing all that, you know, and I was raised, uh, actually, at 15, I became a Buddhist. So I was Buddhist uh, still. I mean, it's a philosophy, so I incorporate that into my uh, spiritual work. But yeah, I, I had that going on. And so I was very accustomed to different cultures, and I really uh, I was digging into it. Um, then I went in the military as a firefighter in Alaska for five years, and up there, I still maintained... Uh, my interest in everything really all through that i didn't really practice rune reading or anything just until about like i said about six years ago and it was uh because of everything that i had been in uh not only that and fantasy gaming and all but i was still really very interested in the norse mythology and i had realized that um my great-grandfather came to america from norway and that there's a town called brecky by the Sonnenfjord. Uh, and I had no, I was like, wait, what? You, okay, this is strange. So a lot of things started leading up to this journey into runes. And I went into the next millennium bookstore, this, this bookstore we have right up the street. And I, I've been in there before several times. And for some reason, this time was the right time. I ended up getting a rune book. I saw runes. I thought that looks like Tolkien runes. What are these? And it was the, the runes by Lisa Peschel or yeah, Peschel. I opened that up and I started reading this book and going through it. And for some reason, I was felt like I was struck by lightning. I, 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 I kind of got a really good already idea of what they were about. 
I was fascinated by it. And I had this weird calling for the first time, really, because, you know, kind of a jack of all trades. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But I had this weird calling to kind of help people. And, and I went up and they had rune sets and I bought a rune set. And now I had a book and I had a rune set and that was it. I, I just got so into it that I was, I was just all, I was all in so much so that after a few months, I had another person that was, uh, owns another metaphysical bookstore in rocks and rocks and crystals. And she's also a psychic medium and she kept pushing me. She's like, you should teach classes. I'm like, I, I'm not going to teach classes. I, I haven't done this long enough. And I and she's like, no, you're ready. You should do, teach classes on this. That's going to help you read for other people. And I was like, wait, reading for other people was also not really on my playbook. <laughs> And then it all just kind of worked out. And from then on, I was uh, actually hooked up with the, the next Millennium Bookstore. I always wanted to be on the other side of the table every time I went there to get readings because they have readers every day. And then I found myself on the other side of the table. So that was really gratifying and starting to read runes for people. And it just really worked. The classes were great. And I started reading and I was just blown away with how accurate the things were and with the lessons I was personally learning from reading for other people. And then I got, yeah, then I started working there just because mm -hmm. I wanted to start helping people in the store. So <laughs> I didn't know how much I got paid or when I got paid. I, don't, I just showed up. <laughs> You're just, just like, I love it here. I have a quick question, Wayne. You said yeah. that you bought your first rune set. Sure. I, am more, I am more familiar with tarot as a divinator. Oh, yeah. And there's this, you know, superstition, I guess is the best word to call it, that says you should not buy your first tarot deck, it should be gifted to you. Is there any weird superstition? Before I go too far, that's complete bunk, by the way. You don't have to be. It's just a, <laughs> no, no, it's no. just one of those pervasive no, rumors. No, it's not it's true. It's not true at all. But is there any sort of like weird superstition, true or false, and as far as obtaining your first rune set? <laughs> well, that that is out there. And that is something that I try and teach people through my podcast and consultation. Uh, about what rune weaving is, and it is weaving other everything into your spiritual practice with runes being the forefront. Um, no, I don't. I I make runes and I sell them, so I hope <laughs> people want to buy them. And the thing is, is that um, purchased runes, I think, are are just fine to have as a first rune set. To me, if you want to stick with that tradition, then you should be the one going out and gifting tarot decks and rune sets to people if that's the way you feel I, i'm totally behind that but i also feel like if you, i was called to this set and there was nobody stopping me from picking it up i wasn't going to go i didn't know anybody in fact to this day i didn't know anybody that did runes I, I i know now maybe two other two three other people i've been in it more for over the years but i don't know many other rune readers nobody else in town that does it as often as i do and i don't know anybody that's had a rune reading 90% of my 90, well, 90% of my clientele have never had a rune reading before really? and they, they still get one from me. And so I'm like, when it comes down to those kinds of things, people say that you're supposed to make your own, you're supposed to uh, carve them and you're supposed to do them out of a certain type of wood. And then you're supposed to, you know, some people say you should bloody them. Otherwise, if you purchase them, they're worth nothing. And I don't want to live in their world. I live in my own reality, my own reality, which dictates I buy what I want and I entune those things. And that's why I say in my book, runes are just tools. Runes are tools. You're the magic. Runes are only pieces of wood, plastic, whatever you, you make them out of. And what makes them magical is the intention that you as a rune reader puts into them each and every time you pull them out of the bag. Because they're that versatile, I write runes on my hands, 
I carry runes with me. I make bind runes. So to me, that kind of weird sacred thing, tradition or, or, or belief that people say they're not of any use is just showing that you're not that good with them <laughs> then if that's the case. You're speaking directly to my nerdy witchy heart here because oh, yeah. <laughs> I too found runes very, very similarly back in the 80s playing Dungeons and Dragons, reading Tolkien, and I didn't know about witchcraft. It was not as prevalent then as it is today. I knew about Norse mythology, Greek mythology, Celtic mythology, and, and those types of things called to me, similar to the way runes kind of felt good to you. Then as, you know, as I got older and discovered witchcraft and went into runes, I originally used it as a, a written language. To me, it was more something to write spells in, to keep it kind of secret or to, to use it intentionally. Because as you talked about bind runes and sigils, the act of writing or creating one, the whole process of paying attention to creating that is part of the magic and setting the intention. And so that's really where I got wrapped up into runes rather than divination, like you said. Runes are a language, but they're also a divination tool. So can you, hmm. you speak to that a little bit, like what the history of it is and how people can use it as a divination tool? Yes, runes initially were, were, they were an alphabet. They still are. Uh, younger Futhark, the Elder Futhark, and by Futhark, I mean, the, it's like the nanogram of the first letters of the alphabet of either the younger or the elder. And then there, there's multiple sets of runes, and they have been around for just thousands of years. People tend to consider runes as a Norse or Nordic or Scandinavian, German, Danish kind of thing. But in fact, they had traveled all around the world for millennia before they even settled there and were used. So... They were used in many different connotations. Uh, I'm sure they were changed. And then what happens is you, you can take that alphabet and what people have done is that each letter, you might say, or each sigil has an association. So the association is what brings in all that intention. And to me, the association is what brings in, uh, ties together the gods, the mythology and whatnot. And the reason why you can use them as a divination tool is that when they being able to read them, it's not just what that symbol is and the meaning, the general meaning of the symbol. It's how they relate to the other runes that are beside them. And also taking into mythology, if, there, if something is an Odin rune, like, like Anzus, a rune of communication of all forms. And if that is, an, is a rune related to Odin and it's about communication, well, then you have like Hugin Moon and you have, well, then you can start to think about, well, what is it telling me about knowledge, wisdom, listening, book smarts versus street smarts. When do I need to learn more? When do I need to pay attention? When do I need to help and, and listen even more? Uh, so each rune has a connotation like that. It has a relationship to a God, to a, to a certain thing, whether it is a, a rune of healing, protection, because multiple runes are protective. But you can tell the story in the, each rune. Thurisaz, Thor's hammer, the thorn, I mean, when that comes up, think about what Thor is. I mean, Thor is very gregarious, but he's he'll he'll be the one that that will uh, stand up to the giants. And it's not a war god. He's not. He was never a war god, but he was the one that will help plow your fields, will drink with you in the tavern, and then will go and defend your village. So it's a it's a rune of defense. And when you start looking, weaving in the mythologies of that, and trying to think, you know, it opens up what the runes truly mean. And a lot of people have their own versions of what each rune, and you should have kind of, it'll open up for you as you go and you'll start to put in your own meanings. I've had people sit down in front of me and I've been doing runes for a while and all of a sudden they, something comes up and I 
And I was like, wait, that just changes the meaning of this rune in a mind-blowing way. So, and then I keep it. So it also evolves as you go. You can write things with it. That's why, you know, like you said, use it to write spells with, which I do as well. Uh, you And it's just that versatile. So when you take that down and you put intention into saying, all right, I mean, that's why people can read bones, right? Yes. Each object or artifact has a, you've, you put an association with it. So you can cast runes and, and put associations with them. And as you pull them down and you read them like a story, you get your divination. If you ask for the connection and that, my divination, I usually say, I don't consider myself a psychic medium because I don't want to see your grandma behind you. Like you're, I, I would, I just like for you to let your people come in and my people talk to your people. And that's when we get our consultation. I love that. And there's definitely, like you said, the runes themselves may not necessarily be, it, it's just a tool. The intuition, the energy really comes from you. I, I like how you said that when you, you know, when you do a divination with the runes, it might have something new for you. Like it might lay a certain way or, or in correspondence with a different rune or just the energy that you're reading that time could be different each time and you have to be kind of open to that mm -hmm. and able to be a little bit flexible i think sometimes with that especially when explaining it. i think the correlation between runes and tarot that i think that's where it's making sense to me because i only ever used runes more as like sigil work but i can see such similarities with tarot that i i definitely am getting it and don't you think that if you allow yourself to be open to the person's energy and to the person's people that are there that uh, sometimes depending on their situation and what they're talking to you about that those tarot cards, I, well, it'll expand. It's not, they're just not static. Right. This means a, this means B no matter what uh, that's the beauty of, of any divination method. I, I believe too, but you know, for example, I, I did a, uh, I was one rune that changed. I remember what happened. It was at a mystic fest that we had and, and, Gifu, it's a, it's just an X. It looks like an X, the gift rune. And I always thought, well, that's a good rune. You bring that up. Wow, you got it's no, you can't reverse this rune. So it's like it must be a very good rune. You're gonna get something, or or maybe you've been gifted something, or maybe you are 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 you know it's about giving and receiving. So learning how to accept and receive. And then my wife said something to me that kind of opened it up. She says, uh, you know, having issues with possibly um, you know, with self-esteem. And like, she's like, sometimes when people just like, even give me a compliment, like for a second, I just go, hmm, you know, you kind of blow them off and you think they're lying, you know, and you just kind of blow it off. And that hurt my feelings for one. I was like, oh no, that's sad. And, but a lot of people have that. I felt the same way. I was like, wait a minute. I do that too. It's uncomfortable sometimes when somebody gives you a compliment. So if that's uncomfortable, what about what's happening with everybody, everything else in your life that has to do about you receiving? Sometimes we give, 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 but it's that receiving. You can't even take a compliment without you just brushing it off yourself. You did it. You brushed it right off because you didn't feel you were worthy enough. And so after that, I started telling people more about that. When Gifu comes up, maybe look into this. Are you allowing yourself to just accept other people's generosity and other people's love and other people's compliments, no matter what you think they mean? I, I love that there's never an end to how they kind of tell a story and how that opens up, whether it be for different people you're reading or for you, it's just kind of the more you use it, the more you can, you're still delving. Yep. Beautiful thing is too, is you like, you know, when we talk about the versatility of runes, there's so many different ways to use them. If you're not 
busy yeah. reading for people. So. <laughs> I did love in your book how after each one of the runes, you did have different correspondences for them. And kind of like Shell said, it very much opened my mind to them, to look at them in a different way. And I, I tend to use them as a, just as a language or as sigils. You know, they, like mm -hmm. you said, they, they mean certain things. Othala is one of my favorites. It's the, the ancestors, the hearth and home, you know, that, that whole feeling of belonging and being there. I, I like that rune. So that's something that I'll use as, like you mentioned, as a sigil. Um, now, you mentioned the word bind runes. Is that different mm -hmm. than a sigil? Or is that the same as? Well, I think you can incorporate bind runes into sigils. So a sigil can also be decorative and a mm -hmm. sigil can be, can incorporate other symbology as well to me. Mm -hmm. It could, it could have protective symbols and a bind rune. It could also have elemental symbols. It could have other personal symbols that you put with it. To me, that's more of a, maybe, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it just incorporates them and people have different views about that. Bind runes are actually just a combination of runes. You can take up to, you know, three, four runes. You can write your name out in, but I usually like to take to take about th start with a good three runes. What am I doing? And somebody they ask me to to do these for people as well. Mm -hmm. they, they'll ask me, and I'll say, "Okay, well, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Well, I'm going on a trip. We never have good time on a trip. I really want this to be better. Can you make something for everybody in the, in the, going on this trip?" So I'd make a bind rune. I'd bless them, uh, consecrate them, and there's a, you know a way to do that. But it would be a thing with you start with the raid hole, the travel rune. And then maybe you want to add in some happiness. Oh, so Perthro, you know, so I would, I would make sure Perthro is in there, which really is a nice, easy way to put that in there with that, with Redho, because it's already in here, in that rune. And now you start to see other runes that come out of those, that rune, those intentions, you know, and say, well, also I want them to have a safe journey. So I will put Othala in there. So, doot, doot, and now you have a bind rune that has it all, but you'll be able to see multiple runes. They'll be, um, Zeus would be in that. So communication naturally will come from that, which will bring them joy and a happier trip. And Tyr, Tiwaz, is in that naturally too. He's the, the god of strategy because he's a war god. But to me, it's all about strategy, making a proper plan for victory. And so there's so many creative ways that you can create bind runes for yourself and for others. Oh, so what it sounds to me, so I can explain it just a little bit for our listeners, it's very similar to some of the ways to create sigils, in which case you say you're taking three runes that you have chosen ahead of time that you feel applies to, you know, whatever it is, the working is. And so you'll start by writing the one rune, and then you'll look at that rune and see how the next rune that you have chosen, you can draw it with an adjacent or on top of that other rune. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. And then continue to add the third rune. And as you're doing this, just like when you, you draw a sigil through letters or symbols and you're adding them together, you're using your intuition and your own magical energy to see the other runes inside of that and where they might fit energetically and aesthetically to make a bind rune. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep, awesome. that's it. I love that's that. I, I'm very much, I like sigils. I like chaos magic. I love symbols oh, yeah. and symbology. So that's something that speaks to me very, very strongly. So hopefully that's something oh, that our listeners can use as well. And you mentioned chaos magic, which I like to point out that, um, well, in the, in the Norse tradition and in, in that a lot of times, I, from what I've learned, is that they didn't really view good and evil. They viewed order and chaos. Yes. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Is, it, is a lion evil for eating an elk, killing that elk? Is a human evil for 
eating that elk you know, right. as well, you know, are we, you know, so, so it's all taken into that. So I like to, usually there isn't any content and people have asked me that too. Well, what if I'm Christian? Can I still, can I still use own, like almost all the of Norway is Christian? I mean, right. that's the big Christianization that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can. Again, it has nothing to do with any, um, it's not like you're worshiping anything else. So I always tell Christians that I, you know, I, I leave out, I would leave out certain verbiage if they were kind of like, eh, if they were all about Christianity, if they were about that, I would leave out any connotation of you should do this because Odin says so, or, you know, or Thor, this. you know, you, you, you don't have to incorporate that you incorporate what the essence of that God represents and they get it. And it's all in every religion. I mean, it's already in every religion, the same kind of things uh, can be talked about uh, in human problems. So it relates. It's all different paths to the same top of the mountain, I think. Yeah. And the correlations were, you mentioned correlations before I forget. I really wanted that in the book. And mainly because I don't do tarot and I don't know anything about tarot. So <laughs> I had to research that. I had to research what these tarot cards were. And then I, you know, there's other books that do have some. And I was like, I want that in my book. But I really wanted to get, you know, the, the correlations for that in there. Because a lot of my people that I, that I read use tarot. And they, they do have similar correspondences, crystals and herbs. I do a lot of herbal work. I do a lot of crystal work. I, I taught people all they needed to know about all the rocks. That was probably my main job at that place, learning all about the crystals. And I found that even crystals, I mean, you're taking like a blue appetite and that's all about communication. And I kept thinking, holy moly, this is, this is on Zeus. This is like you could, and Zeus is, is blue appetite. So it was fun to make those correlations, actually. Now, speaking of stones, you know, you said that that you you use runes, um, wooden runes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a preferred stone or grouping of stones? Because a lot, you know, a lot of the metaphysical shops, um, I'm here in Salem, Massachusetts, so they're on every street corner. Um, yeah. A lot of the runes I see are on stones slash crystals. Mm-hmm. Is there one that's better than the other or hodgepodge it together and have one rune of this crystal, one rune of this crystal, any insight on that? I get that question a lot, actually. And since a lot of the runes that we sold there at that store were those stone runes, you know, uh, I had to answer that. And I, I brought others in because I don't prefer those stone runes. They're too round. Uh, they don't cast well. They do not. Um, you can't do a layout with them for divination because you need to have a uniform shape. So you don't know what the rune is, if it's forward or reversed on the back, similar to tarot. And I, I found that they, it was just, and sometimes they're just poorly made. A lot of times the runes are just, you know, they're making hundreds of these. And that's why I can understand why people don't necessarily want to buy runes that were just made by, I don't know, children in China. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm like, that's so what I prefer is to find a, you know, it depends on what you want to do with it. Uh, you can, I have several different sets of all different makes, metal ones, clay ones, stone ones, wood ones. Um, but you can, you can choose them based off of what you want to do with them. So some runes will be easier to use if they are flat. So even if they're stone, if they're flat, you'll be able to cast those pretty well. They'll, they'll lay one way or the other. You'll be able to definitely tell. Other runes will have a more uniform shape especially the wood ones so that you can do layouts with them. So you can, these are the ones I made. I, I made some FEMO ones, but I shaped them all in a rectangular way so that I didn't, couldn't tell what the rune was on the back. So that's a thing. And 
say round runes you make them out of a log or a tree branch or something well those if you try and cast will roll right off the table and it's i've had that happen Uh, so i look at that what i do tell people is that you can pick stone runes and what they're great for is carrying them with you taking them with you each of those crystals you just look at the what what are you looking for to you know to do i guess so if you're looking for some healing energies and maybe you'll buy a multi set of runes that um have different things or you get one that's rurus that is a that is a quartz crystal or maybe you're looking to have a little more self-love so you're going to get that um oh, lagus freya's rune and you'll get that in uh rose quartz and so that's how you can use a combination of the rune meanings with a stone and make it practical gotcha um, because it's just when you start doing castings. Yeah. And the other thing is too, you can always just reach in and pull out your rune cast. You don't have to read reverse runes. You just pull them out. As long as you're aware of what a, you'll know if one should have been reversed or whatever, but yeah. And it, it, it looked like you had a rune set that almost looked like a card. Oh yeah. I knew you were going to ask about that. Yes. It was like the, the tarot card of runes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'm glad you, you recognize that. I made these runes. Uh, I made them. I have a, a, a wood cutter etcher kind of machine, Glowforge, and I experimented with making runes with that. So I drew them out, just used a sharpie, and I drew out runes on a piece of paper, and I and I etched them. And they were small. They were they were the normal size, and they were great. They were fantastic. I I, I drew one of the runes backwards on accident, but you know that happens. <laughs> happens. So I stopped using those runes and corrected it, and made more. <laughs> but over COVID, I was doing a lot more video rune readings. So. You know, and I'm old. I'm not tech savvy. So I'm using a, one camera to zoom in while I've got another one here. But it was hard for my clients to see and really, you know, see the runes and to make an impression on them. And I thought, ah, I got to do something about that. Plus, I realized that nobody I've reading, I'm reading has ever had a rune reading before. Now, if they've only had tarot readings before, why don't I make something that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable when they sit down in the chair? especially if they're doing a divination method that they've never tried before. So I made some larger runes and this way I can see them. That's mainly the reason why I'm a little selfish. But we can see them when you're doing video readings. Exactly. So even, you know, and they're nice and large. You don't have to even put them right up to the camera and mess up that they can lay, they can stay this far away and you can still clearly read each rune. And when you're at the table, you can actually shuffle them almost like cards. I feel it brings, it makes people a little more comfortable and, and it makes them, they just kind of get it. And then, you know, then you can lay them out and you turn them over like a book and you'll get your, uh, you'll get your and forward and familiarity reverse. to it. Right. And so far it's been great. And I, I use these runes pretty much exclusively for reading for others. Uh, for that reason, I have a little lazy Susan actually that I put my rune cloth on so that I can turn it. So the client can see the layout via their view they i usually have them take a picture of it so that we can go back over that when they come back in for another rune reading let's compare i like to experiment with that kind of thing the other runes and the thing is when you make them yourself even if you're gifting them or selling them i'm still it takes a long time to make runes the set that i just pulled out that was the femo set now think about i had there's 24 runes so i had to make each rune pinch each rune into the shape i had to then draw on each rune then you have to bake it. I mean, so this is in 24, a run of 24, then another run of 24. Then you bake it, then you take it out. Then you have to paint it. That's a task. And then you have to paint the rune itself. That's 24 more of that. And you might have to do two coats and then three coats of fingernail polish on each rune. Wow. So these have a lot of energy in them. 
I don't usually use these for other people. I'm just like, no, I put too much work in and then they feel really good. I'm going to keep them that way. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of, of intention you can put into your runes, no matter how you're making them. I think that's what actually I think does make a more most versatile is you can do a lot with them that you can't necessarily do with tarot. Right. Yeah. I love that you brought up that the ones uh, made out of crystals, the ones that might be irregularly shaped, that those have a use as something that you carry with you, you know, maybe in a talisman bag or just in your pocket to bring that energy, you know, into your life. Maybe you're going into a, a new job and you want to bring some energy in with you. You can pick a rune to help you with that. Like you said, with a corresponding crystal that might also mm -hmm. have that same kind of go get them energy. But at the same time, you have so many other different ways to do runes. You have the flat ones so that you can cast them. You, you have created cards, rune cards, so mm -hmm. that you can do almost a tarot reading with them. And I, I think that just makes them very accessible to people. They're just a little bit easier to grab. And for the runes, it seems simpler to start and then it gets it opens up into so much more so it just seems to be a little easier to a little more accessible i think for people to start with a rune so i'm surprised that they're not as familiar uh, for people as tarot cards because they do feel more accessible yeah guy but your book has been also very accessible i loved how fun it was to read how accessible you made every single rune the history what it was how to use it do you have like a simple reading or a simple way that someone can incorporate runes into like their daily life? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Thank you on that, on that, by the way. Uh, it was fun to write. I had been writing, I'd already been writing for like a year on a book, just not knowing what I was going to do with it. So when I got the call to do this book, I was like, I have this already. <laughs> and it allowed me to really refine it and weed it down. And, and I was, you know, it, that was so rewarding. But yeah, if you're not writing a rune book, <laughs> the way that I tell people to get started, in fact, I'm doing a clinic on this here soon, is about getting started in runes. I would just do a rune a day, a rune pull a day. You reach in. And what I'm actually going to be publishing, I'm trying to get it, trying to get it uh, made now i'm doing a journal a little rune 30-day rune journal they're out there i wanted to do one of my own and uh and it will be one of those things and you can just do this without that but that's the easiest way to get into runes is to do a 30-day rune pull you pull one rune every day and then you you write down in your notebook or you ask first before you pull it you go what rune should i learn about today and then you pull it read up on the rune bullet point what it means then carry it with you every day or carry it with you all day. And you're going to start to see it. You'll start to see this pattern in the trees. You'll start to see it in the painting on the parking lot. You'll start to experience it and you'll look for it. So to me, when you do that, that's how you get to learn it. And you get to sit down and then you meditate with it. You just draw it with your finger and then you, you, you get to experience it. And that's just one room per day. And if you pull the same room the next day, that means you need to experience it again. And you do it. And you do it for 30 days. That's my easiest way. Or, you know, I, I tend to, let, to tell people not to try and do a, a reading on themselves all the time. Uh, they're there to guide you, but they really aren't going to give you the exact answers you want. I mean, let's look at Norse gods, man. Those guys is awful. I mean, they're all awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no straight they're, answers they're, there. No, they're just going to, but they're going to give you those answers. They're going to give you that guidance. And, and also maybe not no guidance at all. Maybe you're just, you are experiencing that rune all day. 
your gifu, that give and take, that compassion, that that acceptance, that love, that generosity. And you get and you focus on that rune and you're gonna do that all day. You get hagal, which means hail. You're like, ah, I don't want to focus on this rune today. But what you do is you use it as a shield. Bring on all those challenges that we're gonna come anyways, whether I pulled this rune or not. But now you're aware of them and why you're aware of them. Hagal means you're gonna get you're gonna get through those challenges and you're gonna learn something very important from them. And what do you need to learn from them? So they don't they're not that big of a challenge anymore because you're using Hagal's energy to do that. And that's the best way to get to know them and, and do it on a daily basis. Or you have a dinner and you want to carve runes into your turkey or carve them into your, your bread before you bake it. Anything like that you can do on a daily basis. You're, you, you don't have to do rune readings for people to incorporate a, a spiritual aspect of runes in your daily life for sure. And as far as the heathen stuff goes too, I will be out there and tell everybody that I don't, I don't really do any of, uh, I've been asked this too. I don't do kindreds. I don't do any uh, asatru. I don't do religion. I just don't do religion in general. And I don't consider Buddhism and or Norse uh, runes to be a religion uh, in that way. Although I'm, you know, do you definitely right. do you. <laughs> no, I, and I, I love that you pointed that out. The runes themselves are definitely not a religion and they're certainly not held by any one particular religion. They're kind of more for everybody else, like you said, and something that can be used. Um, we've touched on sigils before. I liked how you said to put them on yourself. And one thing that oh, we yeah. have told, um, you know, if you wear makeup, if you wear perfume or anything like that, you can draw it in your concealer before you put your makeup oh. on. You can draw it in your, as you're putting on your perfume. In your perfume. Your yeah, draw that. Draw yeah, that do that with oil. I never thought about that. Yes. Yeah. You've got your deodorant. You're just doing a little Anzu. Yes. Here, a little TFU walls, get that. Get some massive coverage on a little. Easy. Whatever it takes, right? right? I don't know if there's a room for smells, but boy. <laughs> probably should but be. But that is exactly it. You get to, you get to utilize rooms like that um, because they are. And to me, that is a sacred way of using them. Yes. I mean, that's, that's every, every time you, you put some intention into that, it's a sacred way of using it, you know? Now, to kind of just circle back to the book real quick, mm -hmm. one thing that I thought was interesting is you can kind of, it's not just informative, but it can kind of be used as a workbook. Can you kind of touch on that aspect of the the workbook piece of, of, of the book and how yeah. people can use that to learn how to do runes, divination, do room pulls? I, I, I just, I love books that are kind of half info, half workbooky. I feel like I'm a participating player at that point. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I use them all, all of the room books I own and I own several, but it's, I use them as reference books. And I tell people in the book, I want you to highlight in here. I want you to underline paragraphs. I want you to do whatever it is right in the margins. I want this book to be like a textbook in high school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> utilize it, write it up. This isn't a sacred tome. You have to read cover to cover. In fact, you shouldn't. You should go through and do the things, take a good glance at it. I put a bunch of, um, I really wanted to add some things in the back that were spells and, you know, full disclosure on this, that the company that had me write this book and originally wanted me to rewrite another rune person's book and they were going to discontinue it, I think. And they just wanted to expand it. And I thought, oh, okay. I'll think. But then this person also follows me on Instagram. And I'm like, I know this, I have this book. And I was like, oh, wow, completely different author, female, much younger. And the writing just would not match up there. I was like, I don't want to put my name on this. 
expansion when it was this person's work when they did that i i want to do my own right. you know thing so that book had i think had a kind of a spell for each rune in the back of it and it had or at least a few runes it did and i did one for every rune in the footh arc and it, not even a spell i guess they are spells yes they're, they're spells i mean how to make like suilo tea suilo is the sun you know and that's what she had in there her book too so i did a riff off of that and then i came up with a bunch of my own based off of my experience i thought this is great you and everybody can do this too you can come up with your own spells for each rune you know what how do you how what would i do for tiwas you know to tear tear i'm also a big tick fan and i was reading and he's like smells like justice and i'm like that's it tear tear he's a god of justice and legalities and and so i i did a thing uh, i don't even know what i did i'd have to look it back up but but that one was one based off of uh, it was a way to make something uh yeah it's a recipe it's a court case type of powder i believe yeah it is a victory powder so this is something that i did myself as well for some of my family members um and you can use this in a candle ritual so you can you can dress your candle with this and you each of the ingredients has something to do with protection and successful outcome on legalities so each rune has a way that you can and you can do multiple things with tiwas too different types of spells but i just want to inspire people on how to use that and then go and i tell my book too this should be one of many rune books in your collection don't just make this your room book or, or any of them when you read sometimes you want to reference I mean, you do your own room cast and you want to reference something you just go and like mm, let the spirit kind of guide you which book you need to read and i would do that too pull out this book all right before i had my own book but you know but i still do that you pull it out you go right to the page you relax your eyes and you just look at the page and whatever you happen to be looking at is what they want you to know it doesn't matter and I think that I think what I love most is the correspondent section for each rune and how every chapter has like a takeaway. So you like the takeaways. I love the takeaway section. <laughs> that All is right. that is my jam. I I'm like somebody, somebody is writing this book for me. <laughs> oh good. I knew there was a reason. I didn't know what to think of that. I was like, why am I writing takeaways? I'm just repeating what I said. This is hard. No. This is like a history. Thumbs up like on class. the takeaways. Nope. Thumbs okay. up on the takeaways. Okay. I will keep that in mind for other books. Yes. My husband also very much likes the takeaways because not a huge reader. And that really helped, you know, make those points make a lot more sense to him. And so I, I love them as well. I suppose you can, if you, if you even underlined the takeaway part that you really wanted to know, then you would immediately reference that first and you can go back and look at where it's at in the book. Yeah, I, I can see how that works. Great. Well, thank you. That's great. <laughs> you know, actually one of those takeaways like struck me like lightning. Actually, I was reading through and I believe it was, the, it was definitely the rune Uruz mm -hmm. and in it, you had compared it to the tarot card, the high priestess. And I immediately just felt shock because the high priestesses crown, her headdress on most Rider Waite tarot decks. If you look at the horns, it's Uruz upside down. Oh, I have. I, I couldn't really? believe it. That was the first thing that you I got thought the guy of. looking up a tarot deck card now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. No, I was like, I was like looking up Uru's. I'm like, when you were saying that, I was like, wait a minute, I'm picturing that. And you're right. It's because kind of off kilter. One part of Uru's is this way, but then there's the angle. Yeah. And wow, it looks that's very, cool. very similar. And I, I had never really caught that before, but you know, you kind of opened my eyes to that correlation. And I, I think that's kind of like what you were saying about grabbing a different book each time when you do a reading or when you want to kind of look at the rune meanings, because 
you never know when someone is going to have a different take that you hadn't thought of before or open your eyes to a different way to kind of look at the runes. And so I, I love, like you said, having lots of different books and lots of different references. I, learning is so important. And I think kind of yeah. gathering from all those sources is very cool. Well, it's also one of those things where, if, you know, as an author, I'm like, well, everybody, there's so many room books out there. There's so many. And, and I was like, well, each person, though, got downloaded basically the information from source or spirit, or whatever you want to believe. But each author then got to put it through their filter of humanity. So every single book has relevance, you know, even even the early ones that they didn't like. That, there's a book that, Ralph Bloom. Yeah. Uh, even even there's some relevance in those. But yes, that was my introduction to runes. I really, apologize. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I have the set. I have a hardcover set of it. I was like fascinated with getting it. I'm like, ooh, these are the first ones. Like but back in edition. the day, that back in the day, that was the only option for runes was that right. that Ralph Bloom set. And I will say that I do use the um the weird rune. Now that's been a source of controversy since Ralph Bloom's books. Uh some people do not use the blank rune. And I, I call it, and I've been, I've been yelled at on, on forums and stuff about it. I'm like, I look at it as the tarot card, the fool kind of the, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. There's, there's a way to read them uh, to me. And people are like, it's not traditional. And I'm like, Hey, there's no traditional room reading at all. <laughs> there's no That's evidence they ever did. Right. Uh, and B, well, it just offsets the balance. Perthro supposed to mean that. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Perthro has way different meanings than a blank void. And if that's in the middle of a reading, what does that mean? It makes it hard because you have to think about it. Why is there a void here? Do they not want us to talk about this? Maybe that's just this topic that and usually comes up when it's like a very sensitive topic or something, or they're just like, or is it like, hey, we're not here to give you guidance on that. You have to navigate that. That's coming up. You know, you, you have to navigate it, even if it's in the now. Like, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns happening to you, but here's the guidance you need to know. We're not going to tell you what those unknowns are happening, but we're going to tell you how to deal with them. If I were getting a rune reading, I would want the blank rune to be in the mix. Yeah. I just, I find it a little exciting and it's always funny. It's I'm not funny. It's, I shouldn't uh, say that. I, <laughs> I've done that before it comes up and we're having a good time with the client. We're having, to, you know, we're just having a good time and it comes up. I turn it over and go, oh my. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Shift. But yes. <laughs> so now we got to think for a sec because it does give you a challenge as a reader to figure out what they're trying to say. But to me, the more options I can give my people, you know, and I look at it this way too, you know, their people are trying to give that person a message, the person they're guiding through life. How are they going to do that with some guy with a bunch of, you know, wooden runes and there's only 24 of them, mind you. And this person's got a lot of baggage and we got to fix this, but I, somehow we have to do this out of nine runes that they're going to, he's going to pull for her. So how do we, you know, so it's like, you have to look at it from a guide's point of view as well. What would you say? How would you say it? And why is this here? Because this is a good way to say this. And the other thing would be um, talking with the client. Like I said, I'm not a psychic medium. I could read you without runes. I could read it. And I'm a good reader of people. I could read a people. I can read somebody right there and then. But kind of like you, you mentioned earlier, you, you were talking about not reading for yourself so much. Right. For me, it's easier to read other people than it is to read people I know or, or myself, partly because. I know myself and I know what I want to hear and don't want to hear. So it's harder to hear your guides because it's your own wants and needs. But when you're reading for someone you don't know, you don't have all that baggage. Like you said, the filter, it's much easier to let the runes speak or to let that energy speak through the runes when you're reading someone that you don't know. 
I've found that that is very true. But when you read for people, you may as well. I did a whole podcast on this. You may as well be looking in the mirror. I did a whole festival where I was reading one person after another for two days straight. And I swear I could have been reading to myself. A lot of times, if you need the work, you if you need the self-work, you'll get readings and you'll be doing readings for people. The and clients really who open, need the same work are coming to you. They, yeah, that's why they're in front of you because they have some same issues. Why would they come to somebody or be attracted to somebody that has a completely different outlook on life or completely has no idea or no clue as to what they're going through. They just a natural thing that people don't really realize when you, that's another responsibility of being a reader. They're going to sit down in front of you and you're going to be able to relate to them. You're going to read them and you're going to be able to give them proper guidance because it's your higher self. Also talking to you, every guidance you give somebody else, I learn from, I learn a little bit and I can, and it, it's just like, yeah, it's hard for me to read myself or do a casting. I usually use the runes again, like you do in a different way uh, for sigils. Or, and then I do do readings when it, for myself. But I mean, like for my wife and I, we have our own family set. But And friends, yeah, that's a little bit hard. But I always, I mean, repeat clients become friends. So you got to get used to that too and being able to give them the advice. And you got to pull yourself out of the friendship relationship a little bit and let your, your guides kind of take over. Your spirit takes over and then tells them what they need to hear but if you can do that with confidence then i think that's a uh, showing growth uh, a lot of growth now one other thing that you have mentioned and i heard you speak on it a little bit here was um when you talked about the runes you almost talked about them a little bit like they had their own personalities like they you know they have their own attitudes a little bit and i think you mentioned that a little in the book as well and i 100 percent believe this because i had a tarot deck once and it just had a really shitty attitude. <laughs> I mm. got it. I I worked with it, you know, attuned with it. I thought, did readings with it, and it told me I was going to die. And then every no. time I did a reading with it, it was really bad news that wasn't true. And even when I would read for other people, it would be the worst doom and gloom, none of it true. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I It didn't like you. It, the deck just didn't have we just didn't have a good fit. It was the enchanted tarot, I believe. I ended up giving it away. Shell and I used to be part of a group that did um, different workshops and, and uh, things and spoke about tarot. And I ended up giving it away to someone there that it seemed to like. But I've never had before since such a, a personality reaction from a tarot deck. Now, is that similar to what you were this saying? This is why I don't read tarot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the one. Just the one staring deck. at me while I'm sleeping. Ah, that deck on my nightstand? Jeez. <laughs> no. Uh, no, that's true. Actually, it is. I mean, you naturally say you have multiple runes, multiple rune sets. You know, you're going to find ones that just feel good in the hand that you like to pick, and then so you're going to you're going to give them a personality. You really give them the personality, kind of, but also you recognize you recognize it, and that's where people would come in and say, "Well, you said they weren't anything but just chips of wood and plastic and blah blah," and they're not. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, but also, you know. I have toys that have personalities, man. <laughs> you know, sure. my cats have personalities. Um, and it's all in the way you act when you have them. How does it make you feel? Like when, you know, these this personality that the big ones, they just seem like they really they feel good to me. And I get really accurate readings and really good positivity when I do it for others with these large runes. Great. When I want to do my own casting, I use my smaller runes. Well, that one handcrafted sad I did that took forever. Uh, because those guys just wanna, you know. 
yeah, you, you, you do kind of give them a personality at that. Now, I don't know if I've ever had something that didn't read right with runes. I always felt like that was my problem. <laughs> and that's I usually being did just too. rude by not <laughs> by pointing out my issues. But, <laughs> no, that was the only deck. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that story though a lot, actually. Yeah. That they're like, oh yeah, especially with tarot. Mm. I mean, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a different kind of energy or just, you know, that's just uh, how it works, but I don't know. <laughs> now, is there anything you recommend to people when they're choosing? Like you mentioned a couple different um, things to look for, you know, runes that are flat, mm -hmm. something that you might feel comfortable in your hand or that you like. Is there anything else that someone should look for when choosing a set for themselves for the first time? I think I would just suggest not to be afraid to try them out. I mean, if you're the kind of person that is like, I'm going to pick a lucky rock today and it's going to be the first one I see because that's what I, okay, that's my lucky rock. If you're looking at a bunch of rune sets and you're just drawn to one, you're like, oh, that's for, yep, I'm going to pick that one. That's fine. But the other things you can look for are just how does it feel in your hand? Try casting them, dropping them on a tablecloth or, you know, a rug on the floor. However, how do they bounce? How do they feel in your hand? How do they make you feel? Um, that's the biggest thing because you want to want to use them. You want them to feel, and maybe you'll feel energy of them. If they're stones, a lot of people feel energy from stones. And you put those in there and you're just like, oh, these are going to be powerful. And some of them you might get and be like, well, I like these, but I don't want to use these for other people. Mainly because I, I do divination differently for other people than I do for myself. They might think that. So that, that would be it. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule or any big suggestions I can give you because everybody is going to, I would just encourage everybody pick the rune set based off of what feels good to you. Not what anybody else says, not what I say or anybody else says. For my own personal information, when are you starting production on deck of rune sets? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rune set deck. Yes. There are a couple out there. In fact, uh, wow. I, have I love, I love that you've turned them into cards. I just love that, that concept. Oh, it, you know, and it works. I mean, you can turn them. I, I'm, would for classes i would etch out on on cardstock uh i would etch out little runes and so they're flat and then i can give those in an envelope to people oh. um and they're just little regular size runes but instead of etching and cutting them on wood i did it on cardstock and it worked out really or you know like this craft paper cardstock um if you don't have a set of runes you don't have any money to make runes do that just take a cardstock or whatever and draw out the runes this is also going to take some intention and you can cut them out and you can shuffle them and use them like that. Um, use them similar, to, excuse me, to tarot. Um, doing a three card, three card layout or do a nine rune layout. I haven't had any production yet on the actual cards. I'm working on that because there are a few other sets. And then one set I bought actually had the same picture on the back. And it was, you can tell if it was reversed, which I, I was like, ah, boo. You can't do it that way. I can't cast it. I can't do the regular type of reading like it. So. If you do make your own cards, make sure the back is is something different. Yeah, Same. just or or just so you can't see it. Yeah, it's the same. Either it's blank or it has the same uh, a mirrored image. So you can't tell if it's forward or reverse. And that'll help out a little bit better. And, you know, don't be afraid to read the reverse type of rune either. Don't be afraid of those. But yeah, I'm going to try and hopefully get that out in, a, in, the, in, the, in the journal, the 30 day workshop. I love your 30 day. I'm a journal fiend. So anything oh. with a journal on it, I love that. So that sounds I, I have a, I did a video on journaling your journey and people would ask me about journaling and I'm just like, man, you should have multiple journals. I have, I have my journals over there and they're like, 
I got, I started them in 2020, I think. Where is it? Oh, they're over there. Are you? Yeah. Me? So I've got, I mean, I think you're me. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I got lots of journals <laughs> over there. I got like six different journals. Yeah. I have like, you know, a magical journal. I have like my schedule journal. I have my moon journal. I have, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, feelings I have a journal, journal that I don't really show people. It's all hand right. drawn and hand dotted. And it's going to be my grimoire that my grandkids going to freak out about. Uh, but it's like this thick. So it's going to take me a long time to finish. I've got my my daily journals and then mat- spiritual and magical journals. So I do one each year, even though one year I might only have filled it up that much. But then to me, having multiple journals is great, especially if you're doing rune readings and or you're, you're, you're practicing those. Have a journal for your 30-day workshop that you're doing and then have one for your when you read for other people, when you're practicing and you write down the way it laid out and you can refer back to it. Yeah. I love journaling. It's, it's, I think it's super important and you know, you shouldn't ever get on yourself if you stop journaling for a while. I say that as a professional because I do that. (laughs) (laughs) So there I'm giving myself permission. And giving everyone else permission too. I love it. Yes. You don't have to daily journal and you're not a failure if you don't. So so where can people find your podcast and your YouTube channel and where can they get readings from you? Give us all your details. Well, if they cast some runes, maybe they're going to find out. <laughs> Come up in the runes. No. There you, uh, go. <laughs> you can go. I've created Runeways, which is kind of the moniker for the business end of things here. Um, plus, I thought it was neat. Uh, but Runeways, because it kind of incorporates everything. So Runeways.com, you'll be able to find that. I've got some uh, that'll have a schedule up there where I'm doing readings and clinics. And I... Uh, also have a resources page. So if you want to find all the books that inspired me that I think you should have, uh, that's it's got there. So those are great books to start with. And um, yeah, it's got a lot of stuff on there. I do do a podcast, the Runeways podcast. You'll find it on Spotify. And I think it's on all the other things too, Apple and whatnot. But I do that on Spotify. And uh, I've got a new one coming out about client consultation and how to, we, we talked about a lot of it today. Yes. So um I got that. And you can find Runeways on Instagram as well. I don't have a TikTok. I have to do that for Dungeon Crazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. That for myself. We don't have TikTok yet either. Okay. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody that the new book that is out is called The Complete Guide to Runes, an essential reference for rune lore, meanings, divination, and magic. I think it's awesome. I loved it. Easy to read. Love everything about it. And it actually made me interested in runes again. Oh, wonderful. That really makes me feel good. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. We will make sure to put all of your links in the show notes so people can find you easily and also find your fabulous book that I also adored. It was fun to read, full of information, and it's definitely going to have a place on my shelf to pull out when I need to reference some runes in the future. So thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we can have you back when you have your 30-day workbook out because we all love a good journal. If each of you want a rune reading, I'd be happy to do that uh, as well sometime. We can do a video reading and uh, do one for each of you. And that's, you know, on me. And yeah, I can kind of show you how it works too. Well, we are going to take you 100% up on that. Absolutely. (laughs) We would love to do that. I've never had a rune reading. I think you're going to love it. I have. I'm actually very quickly. I'm going to dedicate this episode actually to a friend of Shell's and mine. His name was Zach, and he's the first person who ever did a rune reading for me. And he also is someone who was my GM for a long time, and he oh. unfortunately passed a few years ago of a heart attack. And 
he would have absolutely loved you and loved your books. And he was very much a rune weaver in many, many ways. Oh. So hail the traveler, Zach. And uh, oh, thank you again for joining us, Wayne. And thank you for listening to this episode of Back on the Broomstick. If you could like, star us, subscribe, share, comment, friend us on Instagram, or shoot us an email at backonthebroomstick at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Keep it witchy.